Welcome to the Commerce Connect podcast from Digital River, an e-commerce and payments company dedicated to helping brands go global and grow their revenue. But this isn't about us. This is Commerce Connect, a podcast about people who are creating some of the best e-commerce experiences of our time. Listen on to hear from e-commerce visionaries as they look back on where they started and lessons they've learned that have gotten them to where they are today and what they believe is the future of online shopping. Hello, this is Mike Nicholas from Digital River. Today we are entering the gaming world with Mike Schmidt, head of publishing at Rec Room. Rec Room is a place where people can build and play games together no matter where they are in the world. With real and digital worlds continuing to move closer together, opportunities in a virtual space seem endless, something we'll talk about today from an e-commerce perspective. Welcome, Mike. Glad to have you as a guest today. Thanks for having me, Mike. I'm excited to chat. Mike, to start, would you mind telling us a little bit about your background and how you ended up at Rec Room? Sure. Um, So I actually started in games uh, back in like 2011. I, you know, started on the path of customer support and community management and kind of weaseled my way into marketing and some business development stuff, bounced around Seattle for a little bit, doing a few different gaming startups um, before landing at Apple, um, where I ended up leading business development there for the App Store games team. And then um, during COVID decided I had to get out of the Bay Area really bad. Uh, so I left the Bay Area and I'd had my eye on rec room for a while and I, I begged our CEO Nick to give me a job and he, he finally gave in. Um, so that's where I am now. Gosh, and would you consider yourself a lifelong gamer and uh, doing what you're passionate about? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I would, yes, I would firmly consider myself a lifelong gamer. <laughs> one of the one of the common like themes of working in games is that you stop playing as many games um, because it's like your, your job. But um, I found myself more recently as my kids get older, getting getting back into games again as like a hobby which has been fun well rec room no longer a startup it's a it's a major player and recently valued at more than three billion dollars e-commerce saw a rapid increase during the, the the pandemic how did that affect rec room yeah i mean we we certainly uh benefited um in the in the you know the ways that many virtual platforms did over covid it was uh clear that rec room is such a great way to connect um when you can't be in person so you know i think that we were already on a a good growth trajectory during that time so it poured a little fuel on it um and yeah certainly uh because people are spending more time at home people were spending more time at home and um we're spending more money online all of those benefits rolled over not just to us but to the gaming ecosystem at large so for sure uh we we saw significant growth over that period of time um but it hasn't slowed down uh since covid's kind of been letting up so we're very excited to see that the growth trajectory has remained very very strong and i, and I want to consider myself a lifelong gamer but my wife and i during the pandemic we brought out the old nintendo and we're playing mario and top shot or hot shot golf and all the different ones so most certainly was part of that uh pandemic gaming if you will one of the hot topics today is the so-called metaverse the idea where people interact virtually and goods can be bought and sold. Do you see virtual marketplaces and virtual shopping as a nearing reality? Yeah, you know, metaverse is a, a funny word. Um, we we don't use it internally at Rec Room. Um, we just kind of, we were around before metaverse became kind of the topic of conversation. And I think if you ask, you know, five different people what metaverse means, you'll get five different answers. And um, 
probably based on, you know, the, the round of funding they're in. Uh, but we certainly recognize that like this virtual space and having a presence in this virtual space is incredibly important and being cross-platform is a big piece of that. Um, so one of our kind of core beliefs is that if you're going to build a platform like this, you have to be everywhere and you have to be accessible. So making sure you're not just on all the game consoles, but um, also on mobile devices and uh, starting in VR kind of uh, made it uh, give us a bit of an unfair advantage because VR tends to be the hardest market to crack, not just from like a, you know, user uh, growth uh, lens, but also just from like a usability and functionality and all that. So solving all of the, the problems of building this kind of virtual presence in VR helped us grow to the other platforms, I think in an easier way. Sure. And it sounds a lot like omni-channel from an e-commerce perspective. Um, you know, in terms of being everywhere, everywhere, everyone wants to be, if you will. What are some other buzzwords that you're also seeing um, in the gaming industry? It's funny, like omni-channel, I, I, I've been out of like, I've been in games for so long, I, I haven't heard the, the term omni-channel in a while, but I think like if I use that internally, I get some funny stares. But generally, yeah, it's the same concept. It's like just making sure that your presence is ubiquitous and people can access you any way that they, um, that they have access to. Sure. Uh, like the like the visa card everywhere you want to be i guess right yes tell me some of the challenge that you you face might it be the the metaverse or if you're you're thinking e-commerce omni-channel and kind of trying to be everything to everybody and everywhere yeah, i think you know we, we started with the very basic concept of being this you know virtual place where people can play like sports together games together right and um, growing organically from, you know, this, this user base uh, that was really VR heavy into these other platforms has allowed us to think about what our core demographic is and who our users are without having to immediately jump to being everything for everybody from day one. Um, I don't, I don't think that right now we are everything for everybody. I, I think we aspire to get to a place where anything is possible in Rec Room and we're a cure to boredom for any generation or any user in any location. Um, and that's a, very lofty goal. So we're not going to get ahead of ourselves and say, you know, we've, we've done it, mission mission accomplished. But um, I, I think taking our time and thinking about what that looks like over the next couple of years is kind of our, our main mission. Sure. So from a marketing perspective, you know, I've seen your, your great YouTube videos that you've put out. I've shown my wife, I've shown my nephew, they really speak to, to a large population. Where would you say that your target market is? I would say our target market right now is pretty firmly in the teens category. Um, it's been really interesting for us because I think like we're going to grow with that user base too. So while, you know, my daughter has a junior account and she's six and plays, I think she's going to, you know, grow with Rec Room the same way we're going to grow with our core demo of like teens and figure out ways to adapt the platform to meet the needs of that, those generations. Um, but right now I would say that the, the, core demo that we're we're looking to serve would be the the teens generally like 14 to 18. So opposite of the digital world, let's talk about the real world. So you go into a store, do you see ways that we could add a virtual component that could make that experience better? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, there there's certainly examples of people trying to crack that and um, some more cringy than others. Um, I, I don't think anyone's done it with immense success yet, um, but there's a generation that's coming up right now that is much more comfortable purchasing things without having to feel it, see it in person. 
Um, and as that becomes more common, we'll see that breaking into these virtual worlds in a more meaningful way. The example people always give is like, well, it'd be great to, you know, try on a t-shirt or try on a snowboard and go down the ski slope. But, but we have this like weird, uh, this weird like, like skeuomorphism for lack of a better term of like, we want to bring retail into the virtual world, but it looks just like retail. And it's like, no, it doesn't need to be a shop. Like it doesn't need to be a storefront. And I've seen a lot of these examples recently where they've taken something from real life and just plopped it into the virtual space. And I'm like, I think you're missing the point because you're not really uh, leveraging what the platforms are capable of at that point. You're really just kind of making a little dollhouse version of what you already have in the real world, which isn't very interesting. Right. Merges, world's emerging, I guess, if you will, <laughs> going through yeah. Target and having some type of virtual experience. That's interesting. So you mentioned, you know, earlier that the target audience is between 14 and 18 or that, that, that teen years. And anytime you have user generated content, you have the possibility of content you don't want. And, and regardless of who that may or may not be, does Rec Room have moderators or a code of conduct? And how do you deal with that? We do. We have uh, a very, very good mo uh, moderation team, as well as moderation systems and tools in place to help serve all those needs. Um, we're also constantly experimenting with new ways to, to scale moderation. I think that um, one of the things that game studios that I've been a part of in the past have, have uh, one of the ways they have failed is by saying like, yes, we've solved the moderation problem. Here's our system. And Rec Room takes the, the belief that we're never going to solve it. It's constantly going to be an evolving issue. So we're going to continue to grow and invest in it, no matter how comfortable we become or how good we feel like we've gotten at, you know, making sure that the platform uh, is safe and there's, you know, no toxicity and stuff like that. So it's a never ending problem that we're going to continue to solve uh, and not let up on. So another topic of walled gardens. So walled gardens have been a hot topic for app developers, in, including those in the gaming industry. Uh, major players typically charge in that 30% range um, for apps on their site. How does Rec Room look at that? And do you see a way around those fees? Yeah, again, I think it's really about choice and also diplomacy. You know, you're working with these larger platforms and Sometimes, you know, they evolve at a glacial pace um, and you want to be there working with them to make sure when they do make these decisions or do evolve or open up some doors that you're working with them and not trying to, you know, circumvent rules or, or do things that could either get kicked off the platform or, um, or hurt your relationship with the users on that platform. So we look at all of our platform partners um, equally and we, we're very egalitarian generally about every platform we're on. We do believe self-publish is kind of, uh, our, our biggest platform priority of this year. We know that our user base tends to be more comfortable with direct download um, on PC, but there are other platforms. We have no interest in running a storefront. We, we're not going to run a mobile storefront. We're not going to run a VR storefront. So we get a ton of value from those platform partners, um, not just from the commerce side, but also the promotion side and um, understanding, you know, hardware challenges and working with them on things like thermals or, um, or even just graphics. So I, I think that um, we're in a really good place from a platform perspective and generally very satisfied with all of our partners across the board. Um, but we will be spending a lot of time and energy this year focusing on our web presence for, for uh, purchasing, not just for direct purchase, but gift cards as well, and our self-publish. So um, 
Yeah, I, I think that we don't have a, you know, controversial opinion on it generally, which probably is fair given my background, but um, <laughs> I'm not, I, I think that we're, yeah, we're, we're generally in the camp of diplomacy is better than trying to do something to circumvent. And that makes sense. And I think a big thing that Rec Room's doing, along with a lot of gaming companies, a lot of companies in general, is just building your brand and getting the word out there. And regardless of what channel that may or may not be, just making sure that they're able to access it. Would you Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, our North Star on like the growth team is about becoming a household name. And that's a really hard thing to measure. Um, but I, I feel it getting closer. I actually did a, um, I got to, to judge uh, my, uh, at my daughter's school, I got to judge this innovation contest last week, and everybody was doing their kind of intros. And they all had cool jobs. And they all did like three owned a 3d print shop. And they, you know, owned a pizzeria and stuff like that in town, which as a kid, I would have been very excited about. Um, but there's, you know, normal claps. And then I said, I work at Rec Room and the kids went like bananas for Rec Room. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, man, it's here. It's, it's finally here. So it felt very good to get that kind of uh, real life validation uh, from our user base. And, and you weren't there at the start of it, but where did the name Rec Room come from? Oh, yeah, I, I couldn't talk too much about origin stories. I've heard yeah. rumblings of stuff. Uh, I think it's um, pretty, uh, pretty straightforward as far as, you know, what the, uh, the goals of the initial game were. Um, kind of like a Wii Sports for VR um, and an actual, like, rec room in somebody's, you know, school or house or... Um, camp or whatever and uh building off of that just made sense and also like the the way the game's organically grown from there and kind of feels a bit like a dorm or sorry a campus with your dorm and you know the, these other creative campuses and stuff it's it's been really great to see it grow off of that little like uh nugget of an idea around the rec center and what rec room is so um yeah, I'm sure that there's probably a lot more uh, discussion. There was a lot more discussion and debate about names and all that back in the day. But yeah, I certainly wasn't there for it. So so I brought up Nintendo earlier and kind of your traditional gaming console might be Atari or Nintendo or PlayStation kind of go through the path. You had mentioned PC and now we're kind of in the PC mobile gaming world. Where do you see the the the, the industry going in the next 10 years? That's a really good question. I think that I can make a, a bunch of uh, a, a bunch of statements that uh, will be wrong in like six months time. So I'll go ahead and do that. So, um, you know, you're seeing a lot of energy around things like web three and blockchain gaming and all this stuff. And like, I, I personally have kind of stayed away from it and haven't paid too close attention to it. Um, and rec room doesn't really, isn't going down that path We're we're on the more traditional path. If there is one for what we're doing, um, the industry as a whole, I think we'll move more towards cloud experiences. I, I do believe that they're getting really, really good. Um, and also that that choice, that being able to play the same game everywhere, the cross-platform thing, um, has been coming for a few years. And I think we're seeing more and more like Apex Legends coming to mobile. Um, obviously, that uh, Minecraft has been on every platform for ages, and that's been really successful for them. So it's not necessarily like a new trend, but I think you're going to see a lot more players come into this cross-platform uh, ecosystem in a more meaningful way. Um, I don't see blockchain things happening in the next year or two. I'm super open to be proven wrong on that, but um, certainly not with our demographic. Um, and there, there perhaps is an older demographic that that it might make more sense for, um, but we're not, yeah, we're not even paying attention to that side right now. 
And in, in the in the time you've been at um, at Rec Room, you've gone from head of business development to now head of publishing. What is your proudest accomplishment for what you've done in the time at Rec Room? I've been here way too, way too short. Like it would be hard for me to take too much credit for pretty much anything because I've come <laughs> on to, you know, I've come on and grabbed onto this rocket ship and tried to just help uh, however I can. Um, I think signing the contract with Digital River would be my biggest accomplishment. <laughs> if I, had to. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I'm really proud of the work we did around the MBA. And again, like I have an amazing team, so I get to, um, I, I get to, you know, point people in the right direction, and they do some amazing work. Um, and then I try to support however I can, or just unblock, or or um, give them the space they need to do that work. So. I'm most proud of the hires I've made in the time I've been here and the people I've even kind of adopted onto the team. I, I have a very, very special team and I feel strongly that we're going to accomplish some amazing things over the next few years. So um, if I had to pick one accomplishment, it would definitely be the team that I've constructed. And and in the time that we've met, um, if you could elaborate a little bit more on the culture at Rec Room. I, I think with Rec Room, you had said a lifelong gamer. I would guess a percentage, a high percentage of people that work at Rec Room likely are as well. So it likely is a fun environment. But can you elaborate a little bit more on the culture at Rec Room? You know, it's, it's really an interesting place. We have a lot of folks that came from more traditional uh, gaming backgrounds or, or, you know, worked at platforms like, you know, Xbox or Apple or wherever. But um, so I think that there's, a, there's some PTSD from like large corporations that we've taken with us uh, and made sure that we're, we're, we're not going down some of the paths that we've seen things, you know, go wrong. Um, but the culture is, I, I know people say this culture is special everywhere and our culture really is special. Our culture is really about the people first and foremost and making sure that we're being thoughtful about burnout and not falling into the the traditional tropes of, you know, whether it's a startup or a gaming studio, et cetera, and pushing people, you know, to their death for the sake of the product. That's not what we're about. We're, uh, we're about hiring the right people that are committed to doing great work um, and are able to turn off. And uh, if they're not, their manager will help them turn off and make sure they're not taking work home with them, uh, especially in the work from home days. Uh, and, you know, the company's evolved into a distributed organization. It was a very in-person Seattle studio. And by the time I came on, we were everywhere. So I think we have this really great culture of communication over all the tools available to us, whether it's you know Google Meet or Slack. And we also have like an interesting uh, way that we use Slack where there's not a lot of noise. I've been at companies where Slack becomes like this message board for every thought on anyone's mind. And we've kept it really kind of pristine and made sure that like, this is where work goes and this is where we spend our time together working and we're, we're not going to let that bleed into real life or have real life bleed into Slack too much. One of the other interesting things is the studio is also made up of a ton of people that came from the community. So we have this incredible connection to our user base that I think a lot of games just don't, don't get. Like some of our best builders in Rec Room have come to work at Rec Room because we've seen the stuff they can do. And we're like, well, we can't do that. Let's just hire them to do that. <laughs> it's fascinating to put something into the world where people will use it in a way that you didn't think was possible or didn't expect. Um, and, and they've grown a career out of doing just that. So it's a really unique place from that standpoint. What type of things are people building in Rec Room that get you really excited? 
so it's been really awesome to see all the innovation coming from the community around um, building things. And I can probably elaborate on what it means to build things in Rec Room. So Rec Room is a, it's a game, but it's more like a social app. You play like a game and there's all these tools that allow you to build your own experiences and share it with, with friends or family or um, publish inventions to the marketplace to sell for coins. You can then cash out for real dollars and earn money in Rec Room. So what it means to build stuff is a number of things, but it could be building a, a cool like a town that has all the things that you grew up with. So kind of sidebar, I did this myself. I built my own little like version of the strip mall me and my friends hung out with, hung out at growing up um, just to see if I could do it. And uh, I did a really crappy job at it, but there's some really amazing examples of it. And some of these folks get so good at the tools that we end up wanting to hire them so we can learn how to enhance the tools ourselves. And, you know, we do make games, we make Reckham Originals, but really our goal is to make Reckham Originals that we can feed back to the community so that they can make their own versions of it or make better versions of it. So the goal is never for us to be like the game publisher. It's for us to empower every kid or teen or adult that wants to go in there and become a game designer to, to go do that. Um, and that was... Uh, kind of part of the origin story, you know, uh, many of the folks in the leadership team and the founding team all had that same kind of experience as a child where they wanted to make games and the bar to, uh, the barrier to entry back then was, was quite high. I mean, you had to like learn C or assembly language or something along those lines and get a, you know, developer kit and go meet a hundred people that can make that happen for you and spend a lot of money. And now all we're saying is like, you could do this from your mobile device. You could get Rec Room on your mobile device and start building your own game, which is pretty incredible. Got it. That's great. And, and a follow-up question to that. So a lot of your target audience is either going into their sophomore year of high school or maybe their freshman year of college. What are some classes or some things that they could do to, to work at Rec Room one day? Yeah. Oh, man. So there, there's a number of paths into the, not just the company, but also just like the gaming ecosystem or the gaming business. Um, I think one of the things people get very excited about is I want to be a game designer and they, they go try to find a way to do that. And that might be the hardest path because <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of really incredible game designers um, and up and coming game designers. So the engineering path is probably one of the clearest paths into games. Um, and you certainly don't need to go to like a school for games. Like there are, there are colleges that are geared towards that, but, you know, traditional uh, computer science degrees would give you the, the skills needed to go build a demo and, and try to do something and publish something yourself. Again, the barrier to entry is so low now. If you were to build something incredible with the circuits in Rec Room, it would get our attention. And that would be a great way to get a foot in the door um, and meet some of the folks in the community that could bring you into the company. And again, I'm, I'm not saying that that's like a clear and easy path then it's it's you know that it is a high bar that we have for creators that, that end up working at the company um but there are certainly plenty of ways that you could you know parlay that uh that work into jobs at other game companies or other places in the industry uh, so thought leadership may be a buzzword if you will but really that's what this commerce connect is it's all about thought leadership and in your personal life or professional life, is there anybody that's influenced you? Oh, yeah. I mean, tons. Uh, I, I steal all of my best 
tricks for being a manager from people that I really respected. Um, there's certainly people at Apple, uh, my manage managers there were, were really good at helping me kind of rein in the ADD and focus on, you know, the, the larger goals and not get sucked into design rabbit holes and, and keep kind of big picture on my mind. But also, you know, my, my startup uh, experiences, I, I had uh my, my boss at my first startup, Bo Ross, is still a close friend of mine, and I, I very much admired his management style. And his manager at the time, David Bloom, was our CEO at Z2 Live, and I followed him around to a few different studios and um, learned a ton from him on how to, how to manage growth and how to focus on the people first. Um, so I, I certainly have had a, a lot of good mentors uh, in my career thus far, and I really, really try hard to pass on however I can. I in no way think that I am in the the place where I have figured it all out and I'm ready to to help you know the next generation do it. I don't I don't think I'm there yet, but <laughs> I want to at least start laying the groundwork for that so that uh, we grow great talent internally at, at Rec Room, and you know if and when they move on to go do something else, uh, they they have that and can take that with them. And and you've worked at. Apple and you worked at startups. So there's quite a spectrum there with Rec Room somewhere in between. Um, what have you enjoyed the most? And, and you don't need to talk about specific companies, but is it the larger corporate or the smaller startup? I mean, candidly, I think I, I'm probably a better fit for the startup environment. And I would still consider Rec Room a startup. It very much feels like we, we have that, that startup. I can, you know, like turn to my left and talk to my CEO about a, a, an issue and can do that at Apple so much. So like, I, I think like that's the the bar, and I appreciate having that kind of access and can, can move things very quickly. Um, however, you know, there's something to be said about the the impact of something you do uh, at the scale that Apple's on is is really enticing too. And there's something very um, exciting about being able to to do a small thing that changed so many people's you know uh, perspectives on something or so many people's devices in a meaningful way or their access to whatever app or game you're working on. So um, I know that's kind of like a diplomatic answer, but if uh, if you had to push me, I'd probably say I, I perform better in a startup environment. Got it. You, a, little, you a little rough around the edges, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> you, you triggered a thought as you were, as you were walking through that. So in startups, it's oftentimes starts as a free trial and then going to monetization. Do you have an example where it's a free trial and going to monetization that you're either in today or that you've been in the past and the success or failure of that? One of the interesting things that was starting to emerge during my time at Apple was game subscriptions. Um, it was like when, when in-app purchase first kind of hit the, the market in a meaningful way back in like 2010, 2011, it was just like an instant rocket ship. Um, subscriptions has been around for a long time. And when mobile kind of finally enabled the tools to do free trials and, and all of the win back stuff, like it was clear product market fit and started taking off right around that same time. There was a bunch of folks, um, you know, all the platforms trying to push game developers to do stuff in subscription land. And, um, there was tons and tons of just like bad examples of shoehorning a subscription with a free trial into a free to play game that just didn't make sense. And it either cannibalized from an app purchase or it, it, it kind of just was this weird, tiny incremental thing that was a ton of work to, to keep up. Um, however, the last couple of years with Games Pass and other things that are these, you know, these big platforms with huge libraries and putting a subscription on it, I've seen some amazing success stories or, you know, the beginnings of what I would consider success stories where 
if it's a dollar a month for three months, or even if it's a free trial, you get people in and show them the value and they're, they're more than willing to keep it going. Um, and I, I think we're going to see more of that. And, you know, Rec Room certainly has a subscription service, Rec Room Plus, and we're constantly evolving it and trying to figure out ways to, to make it better for our creators or players or um, make sure we're, we're giving options that provide value through an app purchase or subscription. So again, it's about optionality and making sure that any user can find the thing that makes sense for them and get value out of it. But, you know, Rec Room is a free game, so you don't ever have to spend a penny in it. And you can, you know, still play with your friends and do all the things without blocking access to any of like Rec Room originals or anything like that via in-app purchase. So um, we're, we're very much in the mindset of build a, a great free-to-play game and give the option to enhance it with cosmetics or other things like that. And the users will enjoy it and stick around for a really long time. Excellent. Well, the, the Rec Room story is a fascinating one. We've gotten a snippet of it today in, in, in today's Commerce Connect. If people want to learn more about Rec Room or reach out to you directly, what is the best way to do that? Recroom.com. Uh, definitely recroom.com. Um, and if you find the contact stuff there, there's a bunch of us that read all of it all the time. So you can easily get in touch with me. Um, or you can just lurk me on LinkedIn and connect with me there. Um, just try not to sell me anything, please. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to share with the, the listening audience before we cut? No, I really enjoyed this. And uh, I, I'm not just saying this because Digital River is a, a partner, but I've appreciated all of the time and energy that the Digital River team has put into making our self-publishing story a successful one from day one. So really excited to look at what the next couple of years is going to be um, together and also, you know, just as an ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we, we love partnering with you. And, and from the beginning, you know, I mentioned culture earlier, but I think our cultures as companies are very similar. And, and I think that that's why we got along from the get-go. And that's why I think the partnership is going to thrive. So, so with that, Mike Schmidt, Head of Publishing at Rec Room, um, has been our guest today. So Mike, thank you so much for your time. And uh, you. we'll see you soon. Yep. Take care. You've been listening to the Commerce Connect podcast brought to you by Digital River and edited at Matriarch Digital Media in Minneapolis, Minnesota. To learn more, head to digitalriver.com.